Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name's Jim. It's nice to be with you today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once there, you can find links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and now Amazon Music to hear our podcast. They just started broadcasting podcasts. They do a great job as a music provider, which we use around here. So we'll just have a look-see and see how they do. Hopefully they do well. One more platform where you can find Baby Boomer Tales. When I was a kid, I had a classmate, or I believe he was a year younger than me in grade school. His name was Steve, and one day we got the word that Steve's dad had been killed. He worked in a mine up there, and the way you got to that mine was you went over the pass going towards Denver, and at the foot of the pass on the east side of the mountain, you could turn around and look, and there was a mountain with a peak to it, a lot of mountains or rounded tops and whatever. But this had a jagged, pointed peak to it. And we always knew that there was a mine there. And the whole story I always got as a kid was the whole mountain was honeycombed inside to do their mining. Well, the top, the jagged pointed part of the mountain had collapsed in. And you could see it about half of the top was gone. It looked like a great big portion of it just from the road down below. So I imagine it was a huge piece fell and killed a bunch of guys, and Steve's dad was one of them. I was very sad for Steve. He wasn't a close friend, but I'd known him for years and years and years. It wasn't much longer after that he moved, and I never saw him again. That mine was a molybdenum mine, and a lot of people don't even know what molybdenum is. You spell it M-O-L-Y-B-D-E-N-U-M. And it is an alloy to steel. It's very high in resistance to heat. It can take tremendous temperatures without affecting it at all. And so it is used in filaments for light bulbs. It's used in cannons and military craft. Back in the day, it was used as lightweight steel hardener for toothpaste tubes. That was back in the day before we had these plastic tubes. You could usually roll up the tube as the toothpaste got lower. Now you have to buy a little thingamajig. You stick the tube in and it can slide up. Either that or you got more toothpaste at the base of the tube than you do up by the spout. And What a hassle. Back in the day, though, that was pretty handy. Just roll that old steel tube up. Thanks to molybdenum. When I was a young man probably getting out of high school and in my early 20s. The county where I grew up was affected by two tunnels being built that would run under the mountains. One tunnel was under the Continental Divide for Interstate 70. It was quite a marvel that man can do something like that. And if you're ever west of Denver on the interstate, you'll drive through that tunnel and it goes quite a ways under the mountain. And then all of a sudden you come out on the west side of the Continental Divide. The other tunnel was for this mine that was opening up right where that mountain was that caved in on Steve's dad all those years before. And it was going under the mountains to transport molybdenum onto the other side of the Continental Divide. So a new mine was being built 
and the tunnel was being made because the old mountain was about played out. So with both of these tunnels being constructed, it was a big boom to the county where I was raised. A lot of people were looking for housing and a lot of people found work and they were good paying jobs because both those tunnels were dangerous jobs and they paid well. But a lot of guys followed from tunnel to tunnel that's how they made their living. And they lived up there in that county for several years until those tunnels were done. And they moved on to the next project. When I was 23 or 24, I had heard that the mine was hiring and that it was one of the very best paying jobs anywhere around. And I was kicking around. My dad had already sold his grocery store several years before. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life had moved back up to the mountains and was enjoying it very much, but I needed to find a good job. So I went there and applied for a job and I got a job at the mill. So they mine the ore and then they send it to the mill and the mill separates all of the ore from the dirt, separates the precious metals, the ore, the dirt, the sand. They send all the stuff that they cannot use and sell they send it into what's called a tailings pond. And so I got a job in the mill there for the old mine, the old molybdenum mine there, the one that in the mountain that was honeycombed out. It was on its last years there. And that mill was amazing. I had a real wake-up call into what work was. Number one, they worked 24-7, 365. And so you had to work in a rotation, shift rotation, and the way that would work is you'd start off with seven graveyard shifts and then you get two days off. And then you work seven swing shifts. And swing shift was from four in the afternoon till midnight. And then you get one day off. And then you worked seven day shifts, eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. And then you got five days off in a row. And then you'd have to go back when those five days were over to graveyard shift that started at midnight work all night till 8 a.m. What I remember about the mill the very most is everything was gray. This milled down molybdenum is very much like graphite. In fact, I think they use it in some graphite type applications, but it's in the air where you really should wear a mask. The masks are hot. I know you don't even know what I'm talking about wearing a mask all the time. Yuck, yuck. But the place was dirty. I ended up, after working there for a while, I wore three pair of underwear under my clothes. You wear jeans, big rubber boots, heavy-duty shirt, have to wear a hard hat, wore a miner's light on the hard hat because there were dark places in the mill. But when I took my clothes off and showered after shift, the only part of me that was even remotely clean is the part under where I wore three pairs of underwear. I was just trying to keep clean. You'd have to scrub and scrub and scrub yourself to get that molybdenum out of your pores of your skin. To this day, I don't use a washcloth when I shower unless I'm into something that I just have to scrub it off. I just cannot bring myself to use a washcloth because I literally had to scrub myself down after every shift. It was, it was a job. And it hurt. You scrub your skin off. After I worked there for about six months or something, 
One day I was driving into work and I was in a carpool and we could see up above the mill where the tailings pond was. They pumped all those tailings up into this big pond that they made and the sand and sediment would settle and you'd build it up and build it up and build it up and it had washed back and washed out that whole pond. It looked like a big canyon up there. Walked into work, everyone was laughing about it and stuff. There's a new job on the board, tailings pond operator. Well, I applied for that job and I got it. And the first thing I was told is, I don't care how much you sleep on graveyard and swing shift. I don't care what you do. You do not let that pond backflow like that or you'll be fired on the spot. So my days as a tailings pond operator started and it was by far, in a way, the very best blue-collar job I ever had in my life. You still did your seven-day rotation, but when you came to day shift, the day shift did all the work. They did all the work. The swing shift guy is basically, it was still light out half of his shift, and it was an easy time. And then graveyard, you didn't want to sleep too much. You could fall asleep, but you better set your alarm clock because you had to get up and do what they called check your drips the tailings came up in this big wooden pipe probably 24 inch diameter and then they would have little pipes which they called drips out from that and you could open them up or slow them down or shut them off and they're all up and down the line of this pipe that bordered the tailings pond and so you would build up your sandy beach and build up the pond by adjusting those. And it was a constant adjustment and you did not want that to start backwashing or you'd lose the whole pond within minutes. So there's a lot of responsibility, but it was a very easy job. I remember I'd be sleeping on two o'clock in the morning or something. My alarm go off and I have to go out there. You're armed with your light on your helmet and a hammer and a few nails to pound into that wooden pipe rabbit run out in front of you make you jump but you get your drips all going correctly and you go back take a little snooze again cook yourself something in the kitchen there in the pond shack read a book put your feet up alarm go off you go back out now you could do that very easily unless your drips were close if your drips were close you best stay out there it was a wonderful job i'd have stayed there forever but one day, they announced to us that they were closing the pond and the mill and the mine. And any of us that wanted to keep our job could go into the mine. And I asked, what about the pond? What about the mill? That will not be open for several years. Well, will I have my job on the pond if I go into the mine and the pond opens? We cannot guarantee any of that. All we can guarantee is if you take the job into the mine, you still have a job. So, okay, well... I went into the mine. Goodbye to that tailings pond. A deal where I didn't even have to shower if I didn't want to. A deal with a lot of times on graveyard shift, I didn't have to go home and go to bed because I got plenty of rest at work. First day at the mine, they put a hundred of us on this what they called cage. Now the old mine, they went up into the mountain and I was never in that mine. But this new mine, they sent you 3,000 feet down on a cage with a hundred guys and girls. Sometimes that cage would bounce around, make you think you're gonna fall to your death. Everyone said it was safe except the guys that were on the cage when it fell 50 feet. Freak you out for sure. 
get down there though and they made me a mechanic now these guys it sounds like a government job to me because i was no mechanic had no desire to be a mechanic i graded high in mechanical aptitude when i was in school but i don't even enjoy it i mean i can fix my tractor and all that stuff but who wants to be a mechanic not me joe might want to be and he might enjoy it that's a secret to life, you know. It doesn't matter what you do for a living as long as you enjoy it. Joe wouldn't enjoy what I get off on, keeping statistics and records and projecting cash flows and whatever. On and on and on, I bore my wife to tears. So down we went 3,000 feet, and I was in one of these big shops that they fixed all the mining equipment. I worked there for another probably year and a half one thing that happened to me when I was at the mine is a bunch of us single guys that kind of hang out and everything after work or during lunch and stuff. There were two of these guys from this bunch of us that hung out and they would do the oggy doggy and doggy daddy little back and forth. My son, my son, my dear old dad, my dear old dad. And so we started calling them oggy, both of them. I guess that was easier than calling one dear old dad and the other one Augie. It was kind of a, a joke. You just said Augie, and everybody would meet up. Everyone was kind of called Augie. Well, as time went on, all the Augies either got fired or quit, and I was the only Augie left. And everybody called me Augie down there. And that was pretty much my social circle. When I met my wife, she thought my name was Augie. We went together for months before we were at a party one time and she was talking to some girl I grew up with and the girl says, well, how do you like going out with Jim by now? She looked right at her and she said, who? So anyway, it was explained to her that my name really wasn't Augie. And why do you ever tell me your name wasn't Augie? I didn't even have an answer for that. To this day, she still has a hard time calling me Jim. <laughs> Dear old dad, old dad, my son, my son, that mine was a very dangerous place. People would get killed once in a while. In that tunnel, I had a friend, one of his jobs was to drive that train in the tunnel, and he got killed driving that train. I knew that guy from the time we were about grade school, junior high school. So it was nothing to goof around with. If you turn left instead of right, you might be in terrible, terrible danger. I had a carpool. There were four of us, and we were all on the same shift. That's how we pulled off this carpool. There was Hoopy and Teddy and me, yours truly, Augie, and a guy named Two Thumb Plum. Why would we call him Two Thumb Plum, you may ask? Well, one night, driving home, old Two Thumb was complaining about four of us in the front seat of a pickup. He's uncomfortable. He wanted a better seat. He wanted to be able to drive more. And one of us said, if you don't like it, Plum, you can get out. Yeah, you can stick out your thumb. If you don't get it right, you can stick out your other thumb. You can be Two Thumb Plum and the name stuck. Everybody had a nickname there. Everybody had a nickname there. Except the one guy that was the biggest culprit in giving everybody nicknames, old Ted. I'm not sure he ever really had a nickname that stuck on him. One time after carpool on graveyard shifts, We'd all come home and we'd stop at whoever's driving because everybody would meet at their house. Go in and we'd watch TV. We'd watch the gong show every morning. Every morning after graveyard shift, we'd watch that gong show. Well, I got a phone call and 
It was one of my buddy's wives. He wasn't in our rotation, but he worked at the mine. Everybody worked at the mine back then. So I went over to the grocery store to see her. She said she needed to see me right away. I walked in. She said, Augie, I'd like you to meet Kim. I work with her. So here I am. What am I going to do? We stood around. Hello. Hello. So I finally asked her out. Didn't know what to do. I want to get back to the gong show. And so that's how I met the girl I married. She interrupted the gong show. Awful glad she did. A few months later, they wanted me to work New Year's Eve graveyard shift. And Kim, because we were going out by then, thought we could go to a party. Well, I called the mine. And I said, I won't be coming in tonight. I looked at her, and my heart just wanted to be with her. And then I said, tell my boss I won't be coming in tomorrow night or any other night for that matter. And my history of the mine was over. It was not a bad place. I have friends that work there until they retired. It helped a lot of those counties around there, helped a lot of families. It's still going, I believe. They do a first-class job. You would never know there was a mine there. They always bring everything back to its natural beauty and its natural state. If I was to say I miss that place, I'd be lying for sure. But there are some fond memories, and I made some very good friends. One of my good, good friends that I met through that mine was my roommate right before I moved out and got married and all that stuff. His name's John. I got word about six weeks ago that he had passed away. So John, this one's for you. Happy trails, my friend. Always be kind. Always be kind. I'll be back next Wednesday.